Just a nice, pleasant way to start the sermon, huh? In case you're wondering, it's a rough journey, and not everybody makes it home on that ship. So, but you can watch that movie on your own time. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. My name is Andy Hermanson. As you heard before, today's kind of a big day. I don't know if it's the worship service after this that's the big day, but uh, I think it's the fact that God's here. Amen? Amen. Amen. Any day is a big day, uh, and excited to be here with you. Part of the staff here, part of the team, part of this community that's just trying to keep up with what God is doing. And uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, excited to jump into this topic this morning, because I think it's something all of us can connect with. Right? I don't know about you, but when I watch that movie clip, there's something that happens inside me. The first time I watched that, uh, I was terrified. I was terrified. The first time I watched that, I had a visceral reaction, and, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was some of the experiences I've had. I tried to learn how to surf in the ocean, and, and to be honest with you, I just got my butt kicked, and the waves were like this tall, so when I see something that big, uh, I just I get to feel really nervous. Uh, maybe it's the... The first time that I ever went through a tornado drill, uh, it was at school, and I was in kindergarten, and I don't know who thought it'd be a good idea to have a tornado drill and not tell all the little kids that this was going to happen, right? I'm sitting there minding my own business, you know, uh, picking my nose or whatever I was doing in kindergarten, and all of a sudden, these bells start ringing, and there's all this noise, and I'm running around and just trying to figure out, like, what is going on? what is going on? And teachers are kind of shuffling around and they run us into this room and there are no windows, obviously, right? But it was dark and they put all of these little kids in there and it was terrifying. They said, oh, don't worry, it'll be okay. You have nothing to worry about, right? When you have to tell somebody you have nothing to worry about, what do they do, right? They freak out. And that's where I was. And all I could think about was my mom and my little brother. And For some reason, I wasn't worried about my dad. I guess I knew he was going to be okay, something like that, right? But it was this intense and this terrifying story, this moment in my life, and it makes me think about it when you watch a video clip like that, it's terrifying. Because if we know nothing else living in Iowa, here's what we know, right? Living in Iowa, we know that storms can be scary things, amen? Amen? We have this moment, these ideas, we think, oh yeah, we're in control, everything's nice and neat, we've got our house all arranged, and it takes one storm to come through, uh, one tornado, whatever, and everything changes. And we're going to dig into this more today. But first, I want to just also say, uh, echo what John had mentioned in the announcements. If you're here today, uh, we are so excited that you're here, and we believe it's no accident that you're here. Uh, and if you're just joining us for the first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. We are in the middle of a sermon series right now uh, called The Jesus Tour. The Jesus Tour. Uh, and what we've been doing is taking a tour through the Gospels. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four books, all about Jesus' life, his ministry, his mission, uh, and really trying to get through those to get this clear understanding of who was Jesus and what was he all about. And I feel like, as a good tour guide here this morning, uh, I owe it to you to remind you that tours often have a culmination, right? They have a main attraction. There's a reason why you go on the tour. And we're going to talk about a lot of things this morning, but the tour, the, the main attraction is Jesus. Jesus himself, he wants to know you, he wants to be in relationship with you this morning. And because of that, we're getting to know him. We're on this Jesus tour. We've been looking at his baptism. How does Jesus understand his identity? What makes him understand who he is and how does he see himself? We looked at his temptation, how he fights off the gravitational pull of all the things that life throws at us. And we've talked about his invitation to come and see as disciples. And last week, we talked about this upside down kingdom that we're invited to be a part of, right? This idea that 
Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who struggle. We've been looking at this kingdom and trying to get this sense. I mean, really, when you, if you ask anybody this question, who is Jesus, you can get a thousand different answers, and we want to go to the source. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And today, if you haven't guessed it already, newsflash, we're talking about storms. And you might be wondering, why does Jesus include this story? Why, why did the, the Holy Spirit give the author Mark the reason to include this story? Well, I think it's really important for us to understand because a lot of times we think, well, when we read the gospel, we just need to pay attention to what Jesus said, right? What did he say? What did he have to teach? What are the, what's the knowledge we can take away? And I think the reason this story is in there, because God wants us to look just as much about how Jesus lived his life. If, if you ask, how did Jesus train his disciples? Everyday life was the classroom. He used everyday life, and I believe that he does the same with us. So, this morning, we're going to dive in. We're going to look at the story of Jesus calming the storm. So here's what I want you to do this morning. If you have a Bible, I want you to open it. If you don't, there's Bibles at the end of your rows. Uh, grab one. I want you to open up to Mark chapter 4. We're going to dig in this morning. I'm going to throw some observations out there, and we're just going to kind of see what happens. So if you have your Bibles, grab it and turn uh, to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 35, and we're going to pretty much camp here the whole time. So you don't even, you can just put it on your lap, and you can just come back to it again and again and again. Uh, we'll jump around a little bit, but you don't need to, to do that. You all have those up on the screen. So, all right, here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. And I want to stop there just for a second, give you a little bit of context. So uh, during this Jesus tour, we've had this map up here to look at. And uh, the lake that they are on is, uh, they call it uh, the Sea of Galilee as well. It's the little one at the top. It's not the, the Dead Sea at the bottom, but it's the, the little one at the top. And so far in Jesus' ministry in the book of Mark, he's been on this side of the lake. But they're getting ready now. Jesus is taking his disciples on a little adventure. They're going rogue. They're off the beaten path, and they're deciding to cross the lake. And Jesus has been spending his time there. He's been teaching a lot of things. And they've begun to get this idea of who Jesus is. He's, he's a prophet, right? He's got a lot of things, good things to say. He's done some miracles. But, I mean, prophets do those. I mean, God works through those kinds of people. And so they have this idea in their heads of who Jesus is. And my thought is Jesus is taking them on this little adventure to give them a whole bigger picture, right? So in Mark, thus far, Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples. He's been healing some people and doing his ministry, but they get in the boat and look what happens. And I just want to throw some observations at you this morning, and I just, I just think this is good because as I was reading this this week, I was just reminded of this misconception I have about life, and I think that you might have that from time to time too. Here is a rocket science. I mean, I paid money to go to seminary to be able to point these things out to you people, okay? Here we go. Number one, you know I'm a genius, right? J for genius. They got in a boat with Jesus, right? Everybody catch that, right? Number two, they experience a storm. Now, is that breathtaking or what, right? Let me just read this again. Think about this. They got in a boat with Jesus, and then they experienced a storm. 
I point that out to you because in my life, and I don't know where this came from, I don't know why I continue to think that this is going to be an option someday, but somehow in my life, I think as I walk with Jesus more or the fact that I'm a Christian, I buy into this idea that life should somehow get easier, right? That life should be smooth sailing. And I don't know why this is, but maybe it's the fact that we have a lot of little people in our house and any peace and quiet would be nice, right? Maybe it's the fact that I get to be part of a leadership team of a church like this, and seriously, as a staff, we just try and keep up with what God is doing whenever we come together. We have a lot of fun. It's also, uh, we expend a lot of energy and a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, excitement, and it's just, I don't know, but I guess I have this idea that there should be smooth sailing as we eventually go through life. We're going to come to this process where we begin to figure things out. I don't know about you, I'm still learning some of the same lessons over and over and over again. And so as we begin today, as you're, if you're walking in here and you're thinking, storms, man, I've got a hurricane going on right now, I want you to know that that's biblical. Like, that's, that's life. And that's why we're reading this gospel text today. It's important that we remember, as we go through this Jesus tour, we're getting the right picture of who Jesus is. So someday or tomorrow, or later, whenever, right, we can give this right and correct and valid invitation to what the kingdom is actually like. I've, I've been around people that have said, oh, man, Jesus come in your life and everything gets better, and maybe it gets better, but it's not heaven. It's not heaven yet. Heaven is coming to earth, and we see glimpses of it, but it's not here in fully. So for us to grasp this concept this morning, I just want to ask you a couple questions, all right? Does Jesus... Or does God promise us peace? What do you think? Nope. I would say He does. I think He can, I think he can promise us peace. And I'm going to nuance the word. So, right? Does Jesus or does God promise us joy? You can think about that. I would argue that He does. That's part of what the Holy Spirit does. In, he may not say that directly, but as we have this comforter, that comes through our life, part of the way that He comforts us is to grant us peace, not apart from the storm, but in the storm. Third question, does God promise you to have everything you want happen the exact way that you want it in your timing, when you want, so that you can be as comfortable as possible and enjoy every moment of life like it's perfect? No, no. Nope, God doesn't promise our comfort, but I think He does promise us something in the midst of chaos, and that's where we're going today because God promises us this, that we have a Father. We have a Father who knows not just what we want, but He knows what we need, amen? And He has the power to give it to us. And if we know anything about life, we know this, that there will be storms. The question isn't if, it's when, and then the question is, what do we do? Jesus himself makes this clear as he's speaking to his disciples in John chapter 16. This is what he says. He says, here on earth, right? We forget this sometimes, at least I do. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, he says, I have come, I have overcome the world. There will be storms, there'll be bumps in the road, and you don't need me to sit up here and tell you that this morning, right? Little thing called Ebola in the news this week. Uh, there's this group called ISIS. I just flipped on the news this morning, saw countless, 
headlines of things, even in the Des Moines area, uh, not exactly uh, great. People getting diagnosed with cancer, right? We hit these storms where we lose our jobs. Marriage is falling apart, and those are just the things going on around us. And here's what hit me this week as well. A lot of times when I think of storms, I think of what's going on around me, right? But truth be told, and I looked at my own life this week as part of an exercise through our uh, core class called a life map, uh, I began to realize that there's not just storms around us, there's storms inside of us. There's storms inside, and sometimes those are the most brutal storms of all. I was uh, doing an exercise called a life map, and essentially what it is, it's a tool for you to begin to put the, the significant moments of your life. And by the way, if you haven't taken core or you took it and you haven't done it recently, we're going to have an invitation to do it this winter, and you should totally do it. That's my 30-second commercial for that, right? But I'm sitting at a table this week with some other people from Hope, and I'm putting all these big moments in my life out on these Post-it notes. And the ones that I want to remember, and they were great, I'm putting on yellow. The stuff that hurt me, the stuff that was painful, the stuff that I'm not sure it was negative anymore because I've seen how God's used it, but it was awful. In the time, I put on pink notes. And you kind of arrange it in chronologically, and you begin, the whole point is to look at your story and begin to look at the patterns that emerge, and you begin to see where was God in my story. And it was fascinating to do it this week. And as I looked around the table, I mean, I looked at my sheet, but I began to look around at other people's and know I wasn't cheating, right? Looking at it. But I was curious, how does my life compare to the other people in this room? And there are some people with a lot of pink notes. And I began to realize, for me, it's not about the stuff that's happened to me. And I don't know why I have fewer pink notes. I, I don't claim to know why. But for me, I realized the storms have been on the inside. And it's been through those dark night of the soul moments, those questions that just won't leave me alone. Questions like, am I good enough? Right? Does God really love me? I mean, is this God thing real? And I've had moments where I've struggled with that, where I've doubted myself and I've needed God to heal me of that. So that's me. What about you? Some of you are going to roll your eyes and you're going to be really mad at me. Because we're going to do community time, which is this thing we do every once in a while where we force you, I know, to talk to another human being at church, right? And so here's the question we're going to do. How would you describe your latest storm? And if you don't want to do this, it's challenged by choice. If you suddenly need to go to the bathroom, that's fine. We, we're, we're happy with that. I, but part of it is if, if we get together for worship, shouldn't we get to know each other a little bit as well? So I want, you to, I want to invite you to take a risk and talk to another person you don't know, or you can talk to somebody you do know, but I want you to take just one minute each. Find somebody, answer this question, honestly. How would you describe your latest storm? What was it? What was it like? And don't be a conversation hog and talk for 10 minutes, okay? I'll pull you back in a couple minutes, but uh, on your marks, get set, go. All right, good. I'm glad you all like each other and uh, enjoy spending time together. That's good. It's part of what it means to be the church. Here's what I notice every time we do community time and we ask a question about what's going on in your life, especially if it's tougher stuff like this, right? I didn't see anybody like, oh, I don't know. Gosh, what am I going to talk about? Right? No, we all have storms and it's not hard to identify them. It's maybe a little harder sometimes to describe them because sometimes they just cut us so deep. But they all reside in our lives. We have, lives. we have storms in our lives all the time, whether we're Christians or not. 
right? Whether we're following Jesus or not, whether we're intentional about spending time with God or not, we all have storms, but it differs in the way we respond to that, and that's where we're going to go here in just a moment because the disciples experience this as well. Again, verse 37 from uh, Mark chapter 4, right? It says, a fierce storm came up, the high waves, and uh, were breaking into the boat. They began to fill with water. The storm comes up. That's why I show you that video clip at the beginning so you can get a picture. I'm sure that's exactly what it was like, right? Maybe not quite that extreme, but I'm sure it was equally as terrifying. The storm comes up. The disciples are getting nervous, right? And eventually they come to this question. The question probably all of us when the storm really hits ask, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Why am I going through this? Where's God? How did this happen? Did I do this to myself? Is this the universe? Right? Where is Jesus? They want to know. And verse 38, I love this about Jesus. I love a lot of things about Jesus. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. And then I love Mark's detail, with his head on a cushion, right? Because Jesus doesn't do the whole arm pillow. Jesus, like, actually, he travels well, and he's got a cushion. So, right? Picture this for a second. The disciples are freaking out. They're seeing their whole lives flash before their eyes, and they're thinking, man, why did I sign up for this Jesus thing, right? This seemed really cool when he was on the beach saying, come follow me, right? And now I'm about to die. And Jesus is taking a nap. How do they react? Like any of us would. They start asking questions, and they want answers, right? And I think we can learn a lot about the questions they're starting to ask. They say, teacher, teacher, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going to drown? And does Jesus respond? Oh, heck yes. Jesus responds, not with words necessarily this time, but with actions, which is another thing that I love about him. Not with words, but with actions. And we'll talk about his response in a minute. But first, I want to get back to these questions because I think it's the questions we ask in the storm that tell a lot about us. And they tell us where we're at and what God is doing in our lives, right? They ask, teacher, don't you care, right? It makes sense. It's a logical question. They're responding in a way that's wired into them. And we need to pay attention to the question because the questions that we ask lead to the way that we live our lives. And the way we live our lives depends... It, it, decides who we are going to become. When we experience turbulence and tribulations and trials and all these different things, right, there's a number of ways we can respond, but eventually it kind of boils down into a couple categories. And I want to broaden these for you. It's not every possible category, but make it kind of simple and, and uh, helpful for us this morning. And again, which category you land in really sets you on a trajectory, right? And it's not a big deal if you're just walking five feet if you're off a degree, but if you're walking 500 miles, you can end up in a vastly different place. And here are the questions. Why God? Why God? And what God? And I want to start with uh, why God this morning. Questions like, why did this happen? Where are you? How could you? These why God questions that are rooted in anger and in hurt. And I think it's valid, Right? And if you're asking those questions this morning, again, I think one of the things God wants us to know is that that's okay. It's okay to be angry at God. Even Jesus himself, think about this, even Jesus himself on the cross, what is the question he asked God? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? 
And what Jesus is doing there is quoting Psalm 22, this centuries-old tradition of letting God have it because He knows that's what it means to be in relationship. Sometimes things are peaceful and easy. Sometimes the seas get a little rough. There's no problem in asking this question. I think it's a very helpful thing to do. There's a season in our lives whenever the storms are going on to ask this question. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you have an outlet with this? Do you have a relationship with God where you can tell Him how it is? Do you think that He hears you? And when you imagine Him hearing you, is He angry or is He just soaking it up? What does that look like? How you picture God determines the way that you navigate these storms. There's no problem with asking the question. I want to make that abundantly clear this morning. It's okay to say, why, God, when we're hurt and when we've been, had the wind knocked out of us? But there's also so much more to the story, right? Because we go through this why God season, and what happens is we begin to focus inwardly on ourselves, and we get set on this trajectory where we begin to hold on to things, right? We get this really tight grip, like when you get really nervous, like my kids when they're learning to ride the bike for the first time, right? They're not just kind of holding on, right, like a loose grip, right? They're holding on for dear life, and we begin to do that. Everybody take your fist like this, hold it up like you're, right? Right? Squeeze it as hard as you can for as long as you can, all right? Do you feel the burn? You getting that, right? Okay, now let go. Oh, doesn't that feel better? Everybody squeeze your fist like this and let go, right? Those are the two kind of postures that we can walk through life with. And if we have this clenched fist trying to hold on and trying to find control, what it does is leave us exhausted, it leaves us isolated, and at the end of the day, it leaves us depressed, bitter, angry, and broken, And I'm not sure all the time that we even have the power to let go. I think that's one of our prayers when we're in the storm. God, give me a loose grip. Give me a a loose grip. And we need that loose grip because there's so much more to the story. You see, what God is into is healing people, taking the awful stuff that happens to us and turning it around and leveraging it for good. Romans 8 talks about this, right? God works together the good of everything. Does that mean it's peaceful? I mean, does that mean that it's easy street, right, smooth sailing? No. But down the road, I have walked with people who have had cancer, have been through all sorts of trials, and one of the questions that they can answer eventually is they move from this why God to this other category, which is what God. They can answer this question, what blessings do I have now that I didn't see before? There's something that happens when we go through it. Every world religion would tell you, we don't grow, we don't mature by taking it easy. It's when we enter into the storm that lives get changed. That's just life. Take it or leave it. That's why James talks about this. He says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials. And I think, oh, that's awesome. Great, right? But it's the reality. And we have a choice to make. It's like when we're in the storm and we're trying to decide, is it, are we in the, the why God or the what God? You know, are, are we, when, when is it time to make that transition? We're at this crossroads. Any number of ways that we could go. And I think it's important to understand that eventually God wants us to move us into this healthy, whole thing, even in the worst tragedy. It is well with my soul. I love that song. But where did it come from? 
tragedy. How can someone write a song like that in the midst of that? There must be something that we don't see. Jeremiah 17, uh, there's a great kind of picture of what these two ways look like. And we stand at this crossroads in life and and we have to decide which way we're going to go. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 17, "'Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, who turn their hearts away from God, again, who hold on. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live with the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land.'" Then he goes on, he says, but blessed are those who trust the Lord, who have made their, the Lord their hope and their confidence. They're like trees planted on a riverbank with roots that reach into deep water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. Notice an external force, right? Or worried by long months of drought, an absence of something, right? And I think that's a great way to look at the storms that we navigate. Sometimes there are storms that hit us with stuff. Other times, there are storms that take stuff away from us, and we have to figure it out. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. And I was thinking about it this week, and I was walking through our house, and I noticed one of my finer points of uh, examples of gardening. This is what happens when you let me take care of something, just saying. Except my kids. I take care of my kids, right? I was so excited for this mint plant that we got at the farmer's market this summer, Right? Yeah, it's not really a mint plant anymore. It's been sitting on our deck for the last few months. But I, I think it's such a visible reminder. I mean, if we try and control things, if we try and come up with all the answers in the midst of the storm, try to do this, survive this on our own, this is what we end up like. I don't know that it's so pretty. And I'm not saying come to church every Sunday is the secret bullet, right, to looking more like this. But I think surrounding ourselves with healthy community that we can be honest with that will point us not to each other, but point us upward. I think there's something to that, to becoming like these trees that Jeremiah is talking about, whose roots go deep, and you can survive the storm. So where are you at this morning in your latest storm? Are you asking why God? Are you asking what God? Are you not even asking questions? It's a decision that we need to make, and I wonder what that looks like. I wonder what it looks like to understand this, Jesus, in, in the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's kind of saying the same thing. There's two ways you can go. You can either be disciples who hear God's word and don't do anything about it, and he says that you're building your house on the sand, so when the storms come, you're not going to make it, or we can hear God's word for us, and we can put it into practice. That is, we can live like it's true, not perfectly, not through our own effort, but we can, we can lean into life with the confidence that God has our backs. So what is it that we need to hear this morning? What is it we need to trust into? And I wonder if we can't find the answer in verse 39 when Jesus, it's his reaction to the storm that they're in. He says, silence, be still. And if you translate the Greek word for that, it literally means to muzzle, right? Who is Jesus? The guy that goes out and muzzles a storm. There's some power there. He says, silence, be still. And I wonder if that isn't something that we need to encounter this morning, is to hear the promises of God, and then just take some time to be still. So I, just, I want you to get comfortable 
If you're already sleeping, then stay sleeping. If, you, if you're not, you can get comfortable. If you want to close your eyes, I trust you to stay awake. I want you, I, I just was wrestling with God this week saying, what are the promises we as a community need to hear? And, and then I'm going to give God some extra time to speak because I know he's better at it than I am anyway. So, right, but here's, here's what struck me about us this week. Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know you can rest? Ephesians 2, God saved you by his grace when you believed. It's nothing that you did. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward so no one can boast. For we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. Created anew in Christ Jesus, not so we can go do lame things, so we can go do the good things He planned for us long ago. Romans 8, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I don't know what you need to hear this morning, but I know that God does. So I'm going to play a, a video here with a song that talks about being still. And as you do this, be thinking about it. What, what is the message? What is the, the truth that you need to hear during the storm? It's kind of hard to be still every once in a while, isn't it? I just thought about sitting in that front row for the next five minutes and giving us a chance to actually do that, and I realized I would freak out, and I think probably all of us would. Like, what's wrong? And yet, I think that's what God calls us to do. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Jesus says it to the storm, but I think in the storm, He says it to us as well. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then He asks and He turns to His disciples, and I think He does this with a twinkle in His eye. I don't think He's yelling at them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples are left speechless. All they can say is this question, who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. Who is this man? And I think that's why Mark is writing his entire gospel. It's so people will read these stories and they'll want to know who is this man named Jesus. Remember at the beginning, they're on this side of the lake. They've got this idea, he's a prophet. They have a little storm, a little incident in the middle of it. And by the time they get to the other side, they realize who they're sitting with. The king of the universe, powerful over all creation. They thought they knew who he was. <laughs> but it's time for them to reevaluate. And I wonder if that's where, the, where you're at with that this morning. Is it time 
to reevaluate who is this man. Mark goes on to tell us in the rest of his gospel, you go on to see that he's the man who is more powerful than demons. He's more powerful than any illness. He's more powerful than any circumstances. And eventually it comes to Mark 15, right? We've even seen him raise people from the dead. And in Mark 15, Jesus is crucified. And of all people, Mark chooses a Roman soldier at the foot of the cross. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom when the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he had died. He exclaimed, this man truly was the Son of God. Nine chapters later, he's answered the question for good. Who is this man? You see, Jesus had this effect on people, and he's had it on many of us here as well that Jesus changes lives. You come into contact with him, he changes lives, especially in the midst of the storm, and the disciples are no exception. Yes, they still have this fear. They're terrified. But it's not panic anymore. It's this awe. And so who is Jesus to you? I want to leave you with that this morning. Is Jesus this guy that just you hear about on Sunday mornings and uh, you read some good stories about him on a piece of paper and that's the extent of it, or is there more to that? We're going to sing a song. Uh, I'd invite you to stand this morning. We're going to close with answering this question, is he the one who walks with us? Is he the one who never lets go?